Thank you for listening to the Ippie Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Carla Johelms, our co-host, will be out today, but we'll be talking about the art and science of digital marketing with Vicky Sarmiento. Vicky is a digital marketing and communications expert with a decade of experience in the B2B and social impact space. She's currently the marketing manager at FeedMob, where she spearheads branding, content, and digital campaign strategies. She's a proud women in tech mentor, nonprofit board member, and has co-produced and emceed TEDx Peace Plaza in San Francisco. Uh, Vicky, we're super excited to have you uh, with us today. Thanks for joining. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about uh, digital marketing as it pertains to data as well as creative. So, so it'll be a fun conversation to have. Fantastic. Uh, before we really get into digital marketing and, and uh, the, the technology of it all and everything, um, can you tell us a little bit of your story, kind of how you got into marketing, how you got where you're at? You've got quite a, uh, quite a background yeah. here. Yeah, sure. Uh, so... Man, I'm dating myself. A little bit over, uh, a little bit over ten years ago, um, I started my career out in the consulting world in Wall Street. So I, I worked for a consulting firm that specifically catered to the higher education industry. But we ran their um, endowments, their financials, their retirement plans, uh, and I started out as an account manager. Uh, wanting to do more marketing, business development, communication, something that was a little bit more, you know, people facing on, on a regular basis. Um, we had a small marketing department at the time. This was, you know, this is like 2007. So, so really uh, uh, pay-per-click and I mean, people weren't even taking LinkedIn very seriously at the time. Uh, uh, right, like I mean, I remember going up to my C levels and saying, "Oh, I, I think we should take LinkedIn seriously." And they, you know, they kind of just looked at me, like, "Oh, you're probably a young person that likes Facebook." <laughs> they said, um, "Focus and, on Google Plus. That's where it's at. Yeah. If that even existed <laughs> <Yeah>. yet." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so I worked um, with with our principals at the time to uh, launch an omni-channel marketing campaign, and that was really my first taste into demand gen as it pertained to the B two B world. So, we developed a market research study. Um, we distributed that market research study across different channels, email, um, app, uh, communications, press. Um, you know, we uh, we got a press uh, shop in to help us uh, make sure that we were advertising correctly across different channels. Again, you know, digital and and paid was in a medium that I think a lot of the businesses were investing in, especially businesses in uh, in Wall Street. But it, it was a huge success. We doubled our revenue in a couple of years. Um, I became director of business development um, for that firm. And, and it, was, it was great. You know, we, we became market leaders. We, we won all sorts of awards. Um, and I really fell in love with, with Legion and, and making sure that we had really crisp, wonderful content for our audience that helped them, right? That, that was about them. It wasn't about necessarily about just our bottom line. Um, Simon Sinek talks about this. I don't know if you've ever read his book, Start with the Why, right? Yeah. So, so really starting with the why was figuring out how can, how can I help uh, my clients? How can I help my customers? So, so that was my first kind of entry into it, but I uh, got an opportunity that I couldn't refuse at the time. I, um, I was offered uh, a role as the press secretary for the Senate Majority Leader in New York State. Um, and so, you know, I had to take it because it, it was a really exciting opportunity to work with press and media, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, NPR, uh, you know, make sure that um, we were placed all in the right areas, ran different campaigns, uh, worked with the policy department, 
Um, and so that, that was an exciting year of my life, being a part of campaigns and, and really interfacing with media and press and communications as it relates to a personal brand, right, in, in that manner, um, the, the politician's brand. Uh, after, after that, I got a lot of opportunities. Um, I, I went back to New York City because I was at Albany at the time. Um, I, it was kind of slow for me, you know, I wanted to, to really make sure that I was growing with the trend of digital. And, and as you can imagine, you know, there are certain uh, industries and market sectors that are a little bit slower to adapt um, uh, digital mediums, right, A-B testing, take these things seriously. And so I really wanted to, to focus my energy in, in the startup world, the small business world, the tech world. And so um, for a couple of years, I did everything and anything. I took a pay cut. I read all the books, right? Was, was following Rand Fishkin around obsessively. And, and I, I remember just saying to people, hey, I'll, I'll run your uh, digital marketing campaign, you, you know, for a, a chicken leg. Just to, I, you know, I need experience. I want to be able to do what it. What year do you think so, we were in there? Around what I year was, was this, was, this was about, so this was like 20, I, I would say 2012, 2013, when I just started doing, you know, working for businesses that wanted to increase their presence in their community and, and didn't really know how to use Facebook for that and didn't really uh, understand pay-per-click. Um, so I started, yeah, I started, I, I really started doing that, made my mistakes, um, but also had successes. And then I started to slowly kind of come up with my portfolio. I got a lot of different opportunities working for then tech startups, right? So you kind of transitioned to tech startups with proper product managers and, and folks that were working with me to make sure that execution was scaling. And, and that, I got in touch with mentors. I, um, you know, fortunately met the right people that, that coached me along. And I moved to Silicon Valley a couple years ago, two, three years ago to really be in the thick of things in the startup world, um, working for a digital health startup and now working um, in mobile ad tech. So, so a, lot of, a lot of my journey has been around, hey, uh, graduate from college, don't really know what I want to do. I definitely want to be in front of people with marketing communications. How am I going to do that in an interesting way that I think is um, abreast with the times uh, that I think is current and, and can give me the kind of growth and learning path that, that I think is most exciting. Sounds so, like you, uh, got, so that, yeah. you got bit by the digital marketing bug really early on in I digital did. marketing kind of, and then just gravitated more and more into it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think part of that too is, uh, so I'm an older, I'm classified by Nielsen as being an older millennial, right? <laughs> so <laughs> we're older millennials. And, um, and, you know, we, so we grew up with the internet, right? I mean, remember pre Google's like Alta Vista, mm -hmm. <laughs> internet explorer. And, and so, you know, I think our generation is fascinated by the inbound nature of queries and, and also the, the nature of our digital economy being customer and client centric. And I say that because, you know, I think it's a really exciting time to be a marketer. Uh, you're not catering to folks that, don't have a need for you. You're doing the opposite. You're trying to find people um, whose lives you can positively impact. And I think that that's, um, that is the real power of the conversation that digital marketing brings, right? It's this real time. Oh, okay. I can identify the people that really need my help and my expertise and, and I can help them with, with their businesses, you know, with whatever personal branding they need, et cetera. So, so I think it's really exciting to have this digital ecosystem that really um, is kind of real-time conversation between a marketer and, and customers. Yeah. It allows you to so, get so in front of a lot of the right people, right? A hundred percent. A lot of the right people, uh, right? I mean, I don't, 
Oh man. So, so I don't even, I, I think that there are some startups that still do this, but right. Cold calling was really big when I first started my career. It was kind of, that was your inbound, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was really like outbound. Right. I mean, but, but it wasn't, people were not thinking about um, content strategy in the same way that they're doing today. People didn't even really, you know, they didn't have pixels. They, they didn't have things that were really tracking things. Um, so the MarTech so wasn't there yet. Yeah. We, I mean, it hadn't been invented yet. yet. Yeah, yeah. You just had a, you literally, you had a list and you hoped to God that you purchased the right list. And most of them were really bad. <laughs> you, and you got, you know, your associates to make, make code calls all day and all night, hoping yeah. that, you know, one or two would work out. So Cold calling is um, so coming back. Be careful. Cold. That's that's going to become popular again in the next. I, you know, I and that's it's it's funny. I I was um uh, I was in a class at Alchemist Accelerator, so they're a big B two B tech accelerator here in the Valley, and I I remember sitting there and there, there was a there was a really successful startup guy, and he and he was like code calling, and it's not it's not for everybody, but if if you know that that model is right for you, then then spending all having your salesperson code call all day and you know that the one line of business you're closing is like three hundred thousand dollars, maybe that's worth it. Yeah. So so yeah, so that's you know, I, I will I will caveat that with right, you gotta do you gotta work on the channels that really work for you. And that's really where strategy and foundation comes in. Every but that's yeah, that's has its place. Yeah. It, they all 100%. have their place. Now digital marketing, there's so many options now. Uh, mm-hmm. Before we get into digital marketing, one more thing, FeedMob, where you're working now, can you speak a little bit about what they do at FeedMob? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I believe you guys handle both business and consumer marketing. Is that right? So we, um, our clients are, are really Fortune uh, 100 tech companies, although we, we re- represent all brands, but we're specific to mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our area of expertise. Uh, so so FeedMob is a performance-driven mobile uh, demand gen company. And, and we focus on delivering radically transparent growth solutions to our clients. So, so, so I say radically transparent. We, and, you know, we actually just rebranded our mission. Um, I say radically transparent because you know this as, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a marketer. Um, there's a ton of fraud out there, right? There's bots everywhere. I, you know, I, I remember naively, I, I started out in digital marketing and, and I remember traffic tracking my traffic and being so happy. Oh, wow. Look, at, you know, we have 100,000 new uh, users coming into our website, but you know, 70% of them were bots. Um, right. right now in the mobile, in the mobile ecosystem, because we, we, we don't have a very regulated system when it comes to, to traffic. Um, a lot of fraud is happening. And so we, we specialize in uh, helping our clients identify where fraud is so that they are uh, protecting their investment. There is there are just billions of dollars that um, are spent by, by advertisers, by big companies every year. And, and billions of those dollars are unfortunately lost to, to mobile ad fraud. Yeah. Um, there, there was almost 5 billion in 2018 um, that uh, was attributed to mobile ad fraud. And, and that more than doubled from the previous year. And I think we know why, right? Because we're becoming more mobile. Um, uh, businesses are spending more money on, on, the mobile ecosystem and scaling and getting users that way. Um, but unfortunately with, with the good comes bad, and, and the bad players are very good at being bad. Uh, and I say that, you know, there, there's the really interesting article by a reporter called, um, his name is Craig Silverman. Uh, it, it came out in Q4 of last year um, by Buzzfeed 
there was an investigation with the FBI and, and we got really excited here at Feed Mob because, you know, now it's becoming a little, just a little bit more mainstream. It speaks to your business model Street. too. It says, this is why we're here kind of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so big investigation. And they found that not only was there, their fraud being committed by very sophisticated algorithms, you know, that, that uh, modeled human behavioral elements. So, so you couldn't even, you know, you couldn't even detect behaviorally that um, this person was not a real user. But there were shell companies created all over the world, and and those shell companies were were generating billions of dollars in revenue, uh, millions of dollars in revenue from 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 multiple companies um, without the companies even knowing. And and this was a huge investigation. It, it involved FBI, the Department of Justice, Google, twenty other really large ad, ad tech companies. And so so this speaks to the gravity of of what we're facing right now in the market. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it, it, I, so, so I, so it's funny because in the beginning of the conversation, I said, it's a really exciting time to be a marketer, but it's also a really eye opening time, right? It's kind of like the post truth time of, <laughs> of traffic. Yeah. I mean, sales so, yeah. at one point was everything you barely heard about marketing. It was in the background and then mm-hmm. sales kind of got a bad name as I think Hollywood's partly to blame because the actual salesperson isn't very exciting. So all the movies are about con artists, but they call it sales. So mm-hmm. everybody thinks sales is a con now. That's what salespeople are con artists. Like, no, no, there's real salespeople there to get you a real solution, get you the right mm-hmm. product and whatnot. Um, but I think marketing might be going towards that. People don't trust it anymore. Yeah. Here, we're paranoid People about Google yeah. AdWords. You know, even the big yeah. companies, you're yeah. thinking, oh, just because they're big yeah. doesn't mean there isn't something in there that's designed to, you know, like you said, you see 100,000 people hit your site. How many of those are real people? How many of those exactly. are bots? How many of those are bots exactly. designed by some sales manager at an ad company that just wanted to boost their numbers, but there's only so many people exactly. on that keyword. So they got to do something to get their numbers up. Uh, they can artificially yeah. increase the number of, you know, quote unquote people trafficking. See, I, yeah. I always, when I see yeah. affiliate, uh, it scares me. Uh, most of that fraud stuff yeah. I think has been done through affiliate networks because they can say, oh, we sign up for this affiliate network. Now all we have to do is push traffic through. And then all we have to yeah. do is traffic. We could go out and do the hard work to yeah. attract people, or we could just make traffic yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, and that, and and I think that's where you know. I mean, I I got really excited um, when when I was shopping around and and meeting. I mean, basically meeting the the founders of Feed Mob because they were focusing on developing not only a team that would have a consultative approach with with our clients, but, but a team that's backed by really sophisticated and, and amazing technology. And that's, that's where, right, the push and the pull is going to be. Um, how are we going to build an infrastructure and a technology uh, that will be able to identify and test, you know, you talked about affiliates, test the test networks frequently, just like in marketing, we test our audience frequently. Well, we should be doing that with the kind of spend that, you know, if we're spending, a, if a company spending a million dollars a month, we should be able to test and come back and say, okay, this is scalable. This is not working. This is kind of fishy. Here are the patterns that we're observing. Right. Um, we have sophisticated algorithms for, you know, shoe selling at Instagram. We should, we should definitely have sophisticated, right? We should have sophisticated tools that can identify um, fraudulent behavior. So that's, that's really our goal here at FeedMob. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited to be a part of the the, the branding team and and helping them rebrand and and definitely uh, spread the word. So it's that's great. Yeah, I guess I all the Martech allows for a lot of really exciting things, but it, and, and smaller companies to scale stuff. But now every everybody out there that's committing fraud can scale very easily. Also, they basically can mm-hmm. take advantage of these Martech things. Um, you know, all the 
all the little loopholes in every new technology are always there for every con man and fraudster to take advantage of. Um, so you're saying FeedMom has a lot of transparency to kind of help combat that yeah. with their clients. Uh, that's great. Yeah. When you, with, with your clients, how much of the mobile ad stuff, and I guess we're, we're getting in uh, right into the digital marketing now. We talked about a lot of other mm -hmm. stuff first, but how much of the mobile ad yeah. stuff um, that you do is B2B versus B2C? You know, I'd have to, I'd have to run the numbers as far as percentage, percentage wise, but most of our, most of, so, so we work with apps and a lot of the apps are B2C. So they're right. They're gaming apps, they're uh, utility apps, uh, they're social media apps, right? Um, so we, we work with the actual user acquisition managers at these companies to make sure that they're scaling appropriately, they're scaling responsibly, and to also make sure that they really understand the legitimacy of their traffic. And, and I mean, essentially, we take the burden off of what they would have had to do. And, and I got to tell you, as a marketer myself, having to figure out, okay, what, where should I advertise? What sorts of networks should I, uh, should I go to? Okay, should I hire uh, an agency? Should I hire a consultant? I mean, there's all sorts of things that you need to do on your day-to-day, -day, especially if you have a smaller team, you know? But even with a large-scale team, right? I mean, we have a number of people that work on every account. And, you know, we have over 55, um, 50 people uh, worldwide. And, and each, of, each of our teams, it's not like, right, there's one single point of contact, but there are a lot of resources that come into our, our clients' accounts. And so if you imagine that if, if they had to do it themselves, that means that they would have to test every network themselves every week. They'd have to um, also come up with a product that's keeping abreast of the, the new trends in fraud. I hate to say that there are new trends in fraud, but there always are something that, there's something new that's, if it's not, click spamming it's something else if it you know it's sdk smooth there's just there's every you know the list gets longer and longer that's a great so newsletter by the way what's trending in fraud this week <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like yeah what's trending in fraud this week that's you know that's kind of so so yeah so i mean most of most of the companies that we work with are um more I, I, more B2C, but we, we do work with the, the marketer and the business division of these companies in order to make sure that they're scaling appropriately and strategically. Yeah. I guess the more fraud there is in a space, the more you need a guide because I mean, with the internet digital marketing, every company can go on and just do stuff themselves. But yeah, that's it, 100%. It's a space where there's a lot of fraud, there's a much greater chance you're going to go on and, and just be waste throwing your money away to some mm -hmm. scam artist somewhere rather than yeah. you know, actually uh, actually getting results for it. Yeah. And I think, I think people, I mean, the clients that we work with are, I mean, very, very um, intelligent and, you know, I mean, they've uh, lots of folks are heads of departments or right directors of departments. And I, I think as it gets more, so people, people are now understanding, okay, we, we know that this is a problem. We've seen that this has been a problem, but now is the time where, okay, we really need to do our due diligence. And so what does that look like? And I think that the build of what that due diligence looks like is really going to get solidified in, you know, in the next decade, maybe even less than that because of the amount of money that is being lost every year. I mean, we, this is not a very regulated industry, but I remember reading somewhere that, next to illicit drug trafficking, this is the most profitable. Like, like ad wow. fraud is the most profitable industry. Is that crazy? 
So, so, you know, when you, when you look at the numbers and, and the way that it adversely affects advertisers, it, which means that it, you know, on a larger scale, it adversely affects businesses because they're not actually getting users that they're just paying for something that's not there. So, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole pattern. And I think that you're going to see this unravel, um, particularly in mobile, certainly, you know, I mean, this is a problem in desktop, etc but you're going to see that unravel in the next few years so it's an exciting time also scary time but exciting time so that's really interesting really scary because <laughs> i know yeah. we're paranoid over here but uh you're kind of uh, reinforcing our paranoia <laughs> yeah. we're not paranoid but, but we're just cautious remember we're starting with the why so you know we're happy to it's it's a problem and it's an interesting um really interesting problem to solve right data scientists data uh, data uh, is involved, heavy data analysis to figure out what are the patterns. And I think that, you know, that's, that's a really interesting problem to solve. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, I guess it exists in every space. It's not like it's it's only exists it there. Anywhere where there's money, there's going to be people trying to commit fraud to get it. I know exactly. in our space, we provide business contact information. We ran into a company just the other day that thought their data was amazing. Um, they were mm -hmm. selling data. They had a great level of accuracy. Their emails don't bounce. You know, they say our emails don't mm -hmm. bounce. We have fantastic data. We look into the data and we say, yeah, your emails don't bounce because apparently you've developed a technique for collecting emails that won't bounce. <laughs> An mm -hmm. email not bouncing doesn't mean the person's still there. And that's one of yeah, those exactly. you know, that industry's changed over time. It used to be if an email didn't bounce, then it, the person was there. It was it good. Was and then things adjust, things adjust, things adjust. Now a large portion of emails won't bounce. You'll never know. In mm -hmm. fact, it's designed to not tell you if the person's there anymore. Um, but mm -hmm. if they just keep removing the ones that do bounce and only keep the ones that don't, eventually they just ended up with a giant list that it isn't a new business list. Their clients can go and send campaigns out to it and they won't get bounces and they'll be happy and they can mm -hmm. use the, you know, the high end tools that really look at the bounces closely and, you know, a HubSpot or something like that. And mm -hmm. the campaign will be fine because these emails are all designed not to bounce and mm -hmm. they don't go anywhere. I mean, it's one step away from just creating masses amounts of fake emails yourself to assure they won't bounce. 100%. It's very 100%. similar to the ad fraud. Exactly. Yeah. People, yeah. I don't think these people did it intentionally. They just weren't that good at the data. They didn't bother to look into it that far. And I'm sure their clients are saying, hey, this is great. Emails aren't bouncing, but we also aren't getting any business from it. That's odd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, weird. We that, business, uh, like, yeah, weird that we have 100,000 downloads and yeah. no one is making a post purchase. This is weird. Yeah. So We're just, yeah, we send 100,000 emails, zero bounce, but also we don't see any traffic. No one's replying 100%. Or, actually, now they even get traffic from the website and it's not fraudulent. It's the, um, the filters are checking the links to make sure that the links mm -hmm. are, are accurate and they don't go somewhere that has a virus on it and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you actually, they'll actually see traffic. Oh, we got a bunch of clicks coming through. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can collect emails that will just, all they'll do is not bounce and click through to your website and you'll get the traffic mm -hmm. and everything, but you'll get no sales coming through from it. Exactly. And, and that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Even with all the MarTech we have, a lot of people don't track it that far or by the time somebody finds out because all the other numbers look good, they've moved on mm -hmm. to another company. It's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we made a joke recently uh, in, in one of our, uh, what we call Marketing Marvin. He's the world's worst marketer. He was bragging. <laughs> <laughs> we do this little cartoon strip. He was bragging about how, um, about how he was really moving up and, and uh, you know, progressing in his career because he'd been at five companies in the last uh, three years. So he was in high demand. Um, <laughs> pretty soon he was going to get uh, moved somewhere at, uh, and move up to the manager level. And it's like, yeah, that's, you see a lot of people that way in marketing. I think they shift around constantly and kind of mm -hmm. stay ahead of the lack of, 
of actual um, results in their marketing. And I always say that's a yeah. really bad sign yeah. when you see a marketer that's been at you know five companies in three years. It doesn't mean they're in demand. It means they're on the run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> getting back to the kind of core of digital marketing. Uh, yeah, can you go yeah. Over some of the basic stuff here on um, not necessarily what you guys do at Feedmob. Let's talk about digital in general. Uh, the different platforms uh, that you've worked with, kind of your favorite platforms, maybe that kind of stuff. Oh, oh man, I've worked with so many. Um, Okay, so, so I'm going to say what I usually say to folks when they ask me what they should use. It depends. <laughs> it's like, it, it all, it just depends on the size of your company. Are you a startup? Are you a big enterprise company? Because different tools are going to cater to your type of business. Um, I am a really big HubSpot fan. Uh, so that's a marketing automation tool. They have a, a, a sales CRM, but they also have a marketing automation tool. Now I say that because I'm a B2B marketer. And, and I think that the best uh, business to business marketing divisions work very closely with their sales team. And I say that um, because in the beginning of any marketing cycle, uh, there is going to be eventually some sort of trigger that you hand off into sa to sales, right? And that's you designing your own funnel and figuring out what your attribution model is. Um, but I like HubSpot because I've worked with small and medium sized businesses. Now, I'm going to caveat that with their, their Salesforce and Marketo out there um, and, and larger scale businesses um, have said, and this is just hearsay from, you know, the marketing world, right? You know, a lot of marketers in the marketing world um, that they can host their data more appropriately because there's just much more coming in. Um, but I really like HubSpot because I think that uh, their tools are user friendly. They, um, they make marketing automation really easily. There's, um, lead gen scoring that you can build that's customizable. Um, I think that they really um, import your data uh, in, in a seamless manner. Um, and, and they give you, you know, they give you a dedicated rep uh, and they always give you a technical channel. So I, so I do think that HubSpot, if you are ready for that stage. Now, again, I say ready and do you have, do you have email lists? Do you, you know, do you have um, a specific set of data that you want to start tracking? Have you built out your funnel? So, so that's, I mean, I think that getting to the automation tools, you need to start with step zero, which is your foundation as a marketer. Um, and working for startups and medium-sized businesses, it's, you know, a lot, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't identify who their audience is. They don't know, they've never went through persona building. Um, yeah, you, I mean, really, it's, right, just the basic, yeah. Hey, where, where are we going to scale? I mean, where, where are we looking to grow? <laughs> um, and, and also if I, now I have my audience that's identified, I've done some market research, right? I've read uh, Nielsen. I've, I've read um, different articles about my base. If this is millennials, maybe it's older an older Gen X, right? You have to identify that with your C-levels. And once you get that, you can then say, okay, where, what social media channels are they using? what, um, you know, what sorts of advertising mediums makes the most sense in the B2B world. LinkedIn is very popular, right? Because, uh, professionals go on LinkedIn, right? They're very and, and they want to read, too. but they're very expensive. Very expensive exactly. Yeah. Although if you're getting your values worth, you really have to crunch down like we we're talking about before. Very expensive, but per, you know, break it down. Not, uh, I guess one of their salespeople would probably tell you, you know, what's the value yeah. of the lead versus you can get 10 leads 100. for the same cost somewhere else. But if you know, exactly. nine and a half out that's of ten exactly aren't real people, what good does that do you? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, 
Um, so, so, so tools, I mean, typically, uh, when, when a website is built, I always like to make sure that you have your Google analytics in there, Google search console. That's just basic low hanging fruit, right? They're free tools. Uh, you can get the crawlers in place to figure out what people are searching for. Um, once you identify, like I said, once you identify your audience and your holistic strategy, and it's really important to come up with a strategy, right? You can't just say, oh, let's, let's come up with flyers. I think that this is my target demographic. Let's go after them. It really needs to be a very specific strategy that you need to work with, um, with in tandem with your stakeholders on creating. Um, but once you have that, right, you can identify, all right, uh, I, now I've built my website. Now I have a Google Analytics search console, all, all of the webmaster tools I need. Maybe you put in Hotjar, right? That's heat mapping. You can see kind of for every page in your website where folks are going. Um, you also want to make sure that any sort of call to action is linked to something that's trackable. Um, so whether it's it's Mailchimp or you know if you if you go with an automation tool like HubSpot, you need to make sure that it's it's connected to your website um, in a way that you're able to track the behavior of of the folks that are um, going into your site. But once you identify the advertising mediums, you then need to make sure, right, like, okay, is, is my Google business set up? Is it, right, do I have, if I want to go down the Instagram route, do I have the business account set up? Okay, is there, I need to now you uh, figure out how to um, implement the pixel in, in the back end of my website, right? So, so that foundational layer is really important, and it's so easy to not do that early on. But the more data you have, the better you will be at building your marketing strategy and iterating in the future. Now, I say that because I cannot tell you how many people and how many clients and companies have come up to me and said, hey, I want to increase our leads by 50% by the end of the year. And, and, you know, I need to go back to them and say, well, what's your data looking like? And they have no idea. So, right, so right. in order to say, please tell right, me you, you get one know, lead a year. Cause I can make it two, no problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, working on your KPIs, right? Your key performance indicators um, can only really be done if you have a base foundation of an understanding of what is even realistic. How many people really are coming to our website? Okay. Right. Of those amount of people that come to the website, really, how many leads are we getting from there? Okay. Then you can say month over month, I think it's realistic to increase this by 5%, whatever mm -hmm. your KPI is. Um, but what's, until you have what's the market out there? You, you mentioned crawlers earlier to figure out what people are searching for. You can also figure out what people are searching for overall online. And if you, yeah. know, if you expect to increase your leads past the amount of people searching for those terms online mm -hmm. through digital marketing, good luck. Because if, if they're not there, I don't know how you're going to, you know, unless you put up a billboard driving them online yeah. to search for those terms, yeah. you, you kind of yeah, have to know right. what the market is, I guess. So yeah. back to the yeah. fraud, you kind of, you touched on something that, that, um, made me think, you know, people are afraid of fraud in digital marketing, but what's, what do you think about fraud versus just folly, I guess I'd say, versus people saying, oh, I want to double my, you know, uh, my leads, so I'm going to put twice as much money into XYZ, mm -hmm. or, and they're not, basically, the, the, the leads are bleeding out through their system somewhere because mm -hmm. they're throwing attention at something, but they don't have it set up properly. Uh, like yeah. you said, being able to track the call to actions, that kind of stuff. You can throw a lot of yeah. money somewhere and it, and most of it bleeds away just because you didn't put a tracking link in, in the site. Or, exactly. So do exactly. you think I fraud think, is a bigger yeah. problem or do you think just people not setting it up to actually take advantage of what they're pouring money into? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, fraud is a little bit more sophisticated in that, you know, tra tracking individual people uh, visiting your website gets more finessed as they, as you uh, run your marketing campaign, 
right? You get their information, you know exactly who they are and what their title is, et cetera. But in the meantime, there's a lot of traffic coming in unless you participate in something illegal, like, you know, stalking every individual's phone, which is not, you know, not accessible because of privacy laws. Um, fraud is going to happen, you know? And so getting um, third party tools and, and, and vendors and, and folks that are experts in the space to really help you, I think is really paramount, especially as the industry is involved, evolving every day. And so, so it's good to have somebody that that's in there with you every day that, that really is making this exactly what they work on. And, you know, they live and breathe, uh, as far as setting it up, I think every, every marketer has set something up incorrectly. Everyone, there's not, there is not a marketer that has even made it to their senior level ranks in their company that hasn't done something incorrectly with regards to their tracking and attribution. Yeah. We were talking um, about startups earlier and a similar thing came up. It was, you don't probably don't want to work with a marketer that hasn't set something up improperly. It just means they haven't done enough. <laughs> That's a hundred percent accurate. Um, Cause every system is different. Uh, every, you know, and, and the thing with that, with advertising tools is they change all the time. You know, all of a sudden now LinkedIn has a, has a dashboard, right? Whereas Facebook had a business dashboard for a while. And so the, there's this constant learning curve that excites me as, you know, that's, that's part of the reason why I went into digital marketing. I was like, oh, great, lifelong learning because it's never going to end, right? But, but maybe daunting. And so, so it's good. It's really important to take a step back and understand realistic expectations and build your foundation correctly. Now, does that mean that you, I mean, you're going to make mistakes, but you don't have to lay the foundation of 10 different channels to begin. Just start out small, right? I mean, make sure that you have your your base in place, right? So like I said, right, Google Analytics, Google Search Console, make sure that you understand how to use uh, search tools, right? People are use, use Uber Suggest. I've heard really good things about that. Um, Google Keyword Planner, uh, if you have a bigger budget, uh, SCM Rush, right? Like really understand, okay, how can I couple that with my overall marketing strategy when it comes to advertising and when it comes to content? Um, right. and, and yeah, so, so that's, you know, I, I would say it's twofold. I mean, it's half and half, right? Like fraud is a little bit more sophisticated of an answer. Cause I do think that it's just going to be there. Um, unfortunately, but we were going to try our best to combat it by getting more intelligent ourselves as marketers, um, in this ecosystem. But as far as doing the groundwork, you have to take your time to do it. Don't rush, you know, be, just because if your VP and CEO or director are saying, oh, we need to get this done you know, in a month, give them a timeline, you know, given the pros and cons. I mean, I think that that's something I made, I made a huge mistake in the beginning of my career by not um, advocating for myself intelligently, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you go to your stakeholder and you say, I think you're wrong. It just means you really need to have an understanding of how long these things take. And, right. and, and everybody thinks marketing takes a day. <laughs> so if they so, say I need it in a month, maybe you tell them, Hey, I need a month and a half. I need two months. Don't sit, don't yeah. say no, don't say you won't do it. Yeah, you can do your best, but really you need two months, a month and a half, whatever it is you feel like you actually need. Or, done. or you say, hey, here, here, I can do these two things very well. Right. Or I can do these five, maybe get it up and running, but they won't be 100% perfect. Yeah, in you a know? month I can get this set up and then I'll add these other things as we go along. I guess I was yeah. thinking about the fraud and I hate to talk too much about fraud, but they also they're looking for low-hanging fruit. So you may make mistakes, you may open yourself up at some point, as long as you're constantly mm -hmm. reviewing stuff, when things don't make sense, you, you know, you look into them. I think that's the number one thing for us here is mm -hmm. when something doesn't make sense, we look at something, we're just like that, that's off. Something's off there. Look into it, figure it out. Why is it off? It's almost always off for a reason. It isn't just, oh no, those numbers were just 
way off at that time or you know, they didn't seem like they made sense, but I'm sure they do. You look into it, you usually find that there's a reason it's off. And sometimes it's exactly. some sort of fraud and sometimes it's just, oh, there was an adjustment made here by this MarTech or, or, or whatever it is. Hey, this is Patrick McFadden, uh, founder at Indispensable Marketing. If you're a professional service provider or a B2B business owner and you're struggling to attract your best clients and also charge a premium for your service, I think you should really check out our website at indispensablemarketing.com. You'll find some great resources there. And if you want to reach out, just click our free consultation button. One thing you're talking about putting stuff into different channels and what to go after and not trying to go after everything. I think this came up when we were talking once before and I just made a note on it that when, when you're starting out early on, it's a really good idea. And even for, for larger companies, but to find the undervalued channels, you know, you were talking about yes. being uh, into LinkedIn early on and, and then really over investing mm-hmm. on those. I was talking to somebody the other day about, and they were talking about, you know, investing in Facebook ads and how for a long time, it, you know, they were really undervalued that, and that anybody mm-hmm. who, knew what they were doing should have been pouring every dime they have into Facebook ads because they should have cost twice as much. Yeah. The market, the market wasn't aware of it. So they, <laughs> they were coming in under value, but as long as people don't know it's there. And a lot of times with these t- technologies and new platforms and stuff until people know about it, it's um, it's really undervalued and you can get way more out yeah, of it. And totally you, know, you see mm-hmm. Facebook really raising their prices up now because yeah. People are realizing, wow, look what you can do with this platform. You can really move yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember, I mean, I don't know if you, do, do you remember when, you know, so, so folks were spending money on Facebook and I remember the day that Facebook finally kind of had broken into the market, gotten so popular with their advertising that they took away the ability to advertise to all of your fans that you kind of built up in your own page. And I, man, that day was like the day of reckoning for every digital, you know, Everybody in digital marketing is just like up in arms. You know, we, we, um, right. We built this, we built a hundred thousand followers ourselves organically. And now you're telling me that right. I need to pay to play to reach out to the people that have gone to me. Now I right. can only reach out to, t- I remember when that happened, it was like, an, or, you know, it was like an earthquake. And, and, and so you're right. I mean, I think identifying channels early on that, um, again, can really give you the big, biggest bang for your buck as far as audience is concerned, um, and prospective customer is really important because once, you know, once a tool becomes popularized, now you don't have access to the same audience and, and prices are going to go up. Right. It's just, you know, it's just the way. And it market. stops working too. It just thinks once with marketing, once everybody's there, now it doesn't work anymore mm-hmm. because everybody's there. People get desensitized yeah. to it and it's moving exactly. on to the next place where they're still open to, to receive your message kind of. 100%. Exactly. Um, so I think we're going to push straight through here and, uh, there's going to be an odd, at some point, it's, it's already happened to all the listeners, uh, but there's going to be an odd break in the middle where, where we take a break. Um, we'll, we'll just cut it in there. I've been enjoying talking to you so much. We, we had, didn't even stop to take a break here. Um, so we'll keep pushing through, uh, covering more on digital marketing here. Is there anything, it's such a big topic. We're jumping around all over the place. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you really want to get to and make sure we can dig into here? I want to, just for folks who are listening that, you know, are, are really trying to figure out, okay, how can I lay the foundation? I do want to um, maybe slow down and just talk about what, you know, kind of like step zero, then one, two, three. 
because uh, I don't think I, I think we went all over the place with regards to tools and just because there's a lot, right? I mean, there's yeah. so many tools. There's a new social media automation platform all of a sudden, you know, that's get, getting a lot of acclaim. Before you even go down the, okay, now I have, here's strategy and here are my tools, et cetera. Um, remember that as a marketer, you work with every department in, in a company, you know? I mean, I talk to our product people all the time. I talk to our sales people all the time. Um, I even talk to our engineers and I talk to our C-levels. Uh, g- gathering momentum around a, a process is really important as a marketer. And I, and I say this having worked, you know, in, in early stage startups, it's a very reactive atmosphere. But hopefully, when, when a company is ready for marketing, and I really believe this, they've already built their product. Okay. And, and I, I remember, <clears throat> I was talking to, to Sky, so this is even before we went on air, we were talking about startups. And um, I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of startups that don't have a product yet, and they try to get marketers and salespeople in, and they, and they don't have a, it wasn't test, they don't have product market fit. And, and so, you know, hopefully by the time you're ready for a real marketing strategy, you already have product market fit. You already have a great audience and a great product. Um, and so, so, you know, I mean, I, I would say that ground zero is just making sure, can I market this? You know, I mean, and, and I say that because part of the reason why I love marketing now is because I, um, as much flack as I think sales and marketers get, I do think that customers are empowered now. You know, they can cut through your BS. They can yeah. know if your product is working or not. And so, um, so understanding that is really important even before you take a marketing job, right? Really understand, um, is this product really good? And, and does it have potential? Is their product market fit? That sort of thing. Um, and then start a process. I mean, I'm a big process oriented person. Um, I use, if you can come up with workflows, like I, I use draw.io to come up with workflows with different departments that will streamline things uh, really well. And it'll get you to get to know each department and really respect their process as it relates to marketing. Because marketing is particularly at small, medium sized companies, you're going to have to lean on your product people to explain what your updates are so that you can tell your customers what's going on. Uh, You're going to have to lean on your C-levels to uh, write um, really industry leading articles because they've been around the block and and their, their technical acumen is large. Right. So, so that's, I would say that I just want to make sure that the audience understands, especially if you're a person that um, is starting to build out your marketing division, uh, understand that working with different departments and, and having a process is really, really, really paramount. And then you can get to, cool, now I can come up with a strategy. Now I can define my audience and have my personas in place. And now I can figure out, okay, what foundational tracking do I need to build? And what's my realistic, what campaigns can I run the next few quarters maybe that means you don't run a campaign this quarter maybe it, it means like I'm get yeah, it seems like you're saying yeah. that the early on marketing is just much more kind of a boots on the ground i guess mm-hmm. once companies get bigger the marketing kind of develop their products develop its own gravity and then the marketing mm-hmm. is much less about the features and the product because it's it already has its own gravity and more about the branding and the general messaging and, and whatnot so you're saying yeah, all our companies customers? you know, you really, really need to know the product much more and be integrated with everybody else in the company so much more Mm -hmm. to do the marketing. You can't just come up with a nice sounding catchphrase and expect people to uh, show up and buy or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I know that this is going to sound 
I don't know if it's an Oprah Winfrey-esque, but you got to believe in what you're marketing. You know, you have to understand and believe in what you're marketing because the kind of content that you develop, it's like day and night, right? You hire a marketer and they, they just make your case study pretty word. But if you don't believe in what you're writing and, what, and if, you, if you don't believe in your company or what you're representing, it's going to be more difficult for you to come up with really good original content that uh, allows people to relate to you in such a way, right? Because it's, like I said, I think that customers and, and clients, they're very sophisticated buyers now. They can tell, you know, Sky doesn't really mean it. I don't even really know if he, if he cares. About they can tell, you know, and so... Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty adamant and I, and I tell folks that I work with about this, about making sure that they really understand what they're delivering. And, and once, once you do that, you know, kind of dovetails into, okay, what's my realistic timeline and how can I work with my stakeholders to implement correctly? Yeah. You mentioned draw.io, I think in there. Yeah. Draw.io. It's a free tool. It's a Google plugin. Um, I like to create workflows. So it's just kind of, okay. Here's my little, I create a little bubble. You say, okay, this is step one. And then this department comes in and it's a nice little free sketch feature um, that allows you, it's quite, you know, everybody probably that's listening understands whiteboarding. So this is kind of like whiteboarding, but you're digitizing the whiteboard. Um, so that way you, you can present something more streamlined to whatever department, whatever stakeholder you're talking to. Um, so, so I really like that. Uh, of course, have a creative, you know, creative staff, right? I mean, if you're an Adobe user, um, good to have things like InDesign and Photoshop handy and, you know, know how to use them. If you are going to be working on, on website or, or mobile features, um, Adobe XD is kind of comparable to Sketch. Uh, our designers, our designers use that. Um, organizationally, uh, if, it's, if it's Google Cloud or it's Draw.io or it's Asana, which is, which is a company that, you know, uses organization w within divisions so that, you know, it's streamlined workflows use those things, right? I mean, come up with a really good solid um, roadmap. And then your creative, you know, if you want to start to create a multimedia outside of blogging and case studies and white papers, get, get a good webinar tool, right? We're using Zoom now. Um, we have mentioned this earlier, but GoToWebinar go webinar uh, is also something that I uh, have used in the past that I think is good. Uh, make sure you have A-B testing features once you start running campaigns. Um, Optimizely is, is pretty popular. Um, if you don't have the budget for Optimizely, this is another thing about digital marketing. There are so many growth hackers out there that there are free tools everywhere. You can go to abtesting.com. And if you're doing running small tests and you have a large audience, you can use abtesting.com. You can just plug in your numbers. And half of these um, MarTechs have, yeah. even the large ones, have some sort of a freemium model. They have some sort 100, of, 100%. sometimes it's exactly. just a trial. But if you're small, mm -hmm. they probably have a free version designed for you because they want you in their platform once you get yeah. big. That's right. Mailchimp, uh, Mailchimp is a great example. Um, I think at the limitations, two thousand emails, and if you have less than two thousand emails in your list, you can you can use their service free. Mailchimp's really interesting. They've rebranded, and now I think they're you know they're competing with um, the more holistic automation tools. Right now, they have la landing pages and things like that, whereas it used to just be traditional email marketing. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much going to be the way that all marketing automation tools are going to go. They're going to try to be like the one stop shop. Um, and get get more users that way. Uh, so yeah, Mailchimp is is really good. Um, but like I said, if if you have the budget and the resources uh, for HubSpot, you know you have a couple members in your team um, that can help you with content and and lead gen and the analytics. And I think HubSpot is is really good. Uh, social media. If you, assuming you have a social media strategy, 
and you know what channels you want to use, um, I write highly suggest a social media automation platform. Uh, Sprout Social is popular. It's pricier than Hootsuite, but Hootsuite is, is probably the most well-known. You know, it's um, been used for a while. Buffer uh, is really popular, especially in the small startup world because um, it's free to use and, and it's pretty user-friendly. Um, just so that for the listeners also, we will grab these out and put them in the show notes so you don't have to frantically scribble down. And, uh, and I, I'm probably too late. Half the people yeah. have already done that. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if they're type A, like you and I, I'm sure that they are <laughs> writing it down. But yeah, um, you'll have it in the show notes. So, that, so that's kind of off the top of my head, uh, things that I can think of. But there's other, like I've heard great things about Wistia. Um, video is really big now, so they're an organization that um, handles uh, videos, uh, right? Like even two-minute content video segments. Um, but you can, you know, you can cut your own videos either through Final Cut or Premiere. Even even iMovie, iMovie does a decent job. It just depends on what sort of production quality you want. But those are those are the tools that I've used. I am positive that I've used more tools because you know I've probably tried out. Uh, so many tools throughout my career and there are new tools that I'm going to try out probably in the next month. So it's, you know, know. Um, half the tools I've used aren't even here anymore or they got bought by another company. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you can't possibly you know, that, them all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, the, again, right. I'm, I'm an enthusiastic digital marketer, but the other thing that's exciting um, about this era is just the, the amount of companies that are coming up with great products and they want you as a user. So they'll give you a month for free. You know, you can test it out. They'll discount you just because they want you to use their products. So, you know, watch out for rising stars that are being written about. I don't know, you know, what um, industry blogs I read or uh, copy blogger is really good for content writing. I really love Anne Handley and Brian Clark. Anything Rand Fishkin is great. He, he's working for a new organization called SparkTor, but he basically is, you know, the grandfather of, of all things SEO. Um, he started SEO Moz. Uh, Neil Patel is, is a really good one. Um, if you really want, uh, I, I'm, I love, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. He's, you know, controversial guy, but, uh, but I think that he's fun to listen to whether you like his ideas or not. He's very fun to listen to. So he's hilarious. Um, but, but jab, 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 right hook, I think is a very good foundational book for folks that are just getting their feet wet in social media and trying to understand, um, how to present it to stakeholders, but also, how to really utilize each each tool appropriately, even though it's it's kind of you know that was written a few years ago. It's the principles around it are you know I think yeah. are really important. Um, I'll pile on and say if somebody's trying to learn more about digital marketing, you've you said it, it moves so fast. Um, it moves so fast. You got to listen to a lot of books, listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. and stuff she's throwing listen out. Listen to there. podcasts. We cover exactly. marketing in general, but podcast is one of those areas that you know we put out a podcast for content. And we like having people mm-hmm. like you come on and share all your ideas and everything you know. And I listen to so many of them. Um, you know, I listen to audiobooks. I listen to podcasts. I don't have time to read. I'm a slow reader. So I just listen to an audiobook mm-hmm. and I crank it up to 1.5 or 2 and blow through it. Um, same thing with podcasts. Most of them, you know, I'll sound a little bit like a chipmunk, but if you listen to this on a faster <laughs> speed, your brain adjusts, you absorb it all. And yeah. you, can, you can get through more on your drive home or, or whatever. It is <laughs> I remember. Stay up to there date a, kind of on all this stuff. There, there's a young, uh, you know, she's a young associate. She just, just started her career marketing. She was reporting to me at the time and I, and I showed her that hack. I was like, oh, you know, you don't, whenever you look at these tutorials, you can just two exit. And she just sort of jaw drops. She's like, oh God, you're right. I can absorb this and I don't have to sit through everything. But if you so, listen yes. to it on the drive home, 
your spouse is going to be really annoyed because when you get home, you're speaking at two times <laughs> speed because your brain's running at two times speed. Yeah, <laughs> so be careful yeah. of that. Or Give yourself yeah. some uh, tune down time. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like my husband, his eyes just kind of glaze over and he's like, I, can we stop talking about this? And Don't then you a have fun a thing to do is to turn it back down to normal speed going yeah. to normal speed it sounds like everybody's on quaaludes they're just talking so you know, like <laughs> i could never listen to this this is insane how does anybody listen to it at normal speed like, this is horrible so yeah exactly yeah you know what what is it the luxury once once tasted the luxury of not having to listen to somebody speak very slowly mm -hmm. oh man nothing you don't realize how slow like regular speed speech is until you turn yeah it yeah um, but yeah, exactly. I'd say absorb the, the books you mentioned, people just, you've got to absorb all that stuff, expose yourself to all that stuff. Um, yeah. And just, you know, constantly learn. Constantly learn. Yep. There's so much out there. Yeah. So many ideas, so much. you know, mm -hmm. grab onto what you can. There's great ones. People give it out for free. Uh, you know, you'd mentioned um, the, uh, the platforms and, and we talked about getting on platforms that are kind of undervalued mm -hmm. and, and you'd mentioned people, they will put stuff out there for free because they want your business. Same with all of these, you know, you have to buy books on Audible or if they still have bookstores, I'm not sure. Um, Amazon, I guess. I, mean, I, saw, I saw a Barnes and Noble. I went, to, I went to LA a few weekends ago and I was like, oh God, there's a Barnes and Noble. Tourist yeah, so, attraction. You know, it's only there for tourists. Like you're saying, Sky, right? Listen, there's podcasts. On, there's this, this podcast. Great, right? You're listening to different marketers all over the uh, us and, and you're hearing about different strategies and tools listen to your podcasts uh buy your books from from authors who are experts um and and just make sure you're always there's so many industry blogs i mean yeah. so many industry blogs you know uh, there's cmo there's so many um, i find podcasts a great source for books every marketing podcast every sales podcast every business podcast i listen to they're always mentioning books. Half the time the, the guests are, are authors and you get to find out, Oh, that's something I really need should listen to. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. get, you know, two chapters into a book before you decide that you didn't really like it. You get a preview on a, on a podcast. Get a, get a, there's just so many yeah. people out there. They're, they're always out there talking and spreading the knowledge for free kind of it's a, it's mm -hmm. a terrible shame yeah. to not, and, that's how, and obviously yeah, anybody that's listening already knows this so we're kind of speaking speaking of the choir yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that's how but that's how you know you know that's how you know that you're in the right industry and and earlier on in my career i didn't know exactly whether i was like okay i really i, I like marketing i like communications i like being in front of people but um i don't know about this particular industry but once i was in the industry that I knew, okay, this is my, this is my marriage. This is my life industry is the industry that you can't stop talking about. You know, it's the, it's the industry that you're, you're, you know, I, I'm reading a book right now um, called Hitmakers by Derek Thompson. And, and it's about the science of branding. And I, I do this on my leisure time. And, and so, yeah. you know, the things that you, you love are not going to be filtered by a nine to five job. It's going to be a part of your interests and, and you know, who you are. So if you don't talk about it at parties, find a new job because you're obviously yeah, not interested. If you only talk right? about I mean, non-work stuff at parties, you're not interested in your work. That's, that's, that's no, not a good thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think a lot of people, they, um, especially, you know, young folks that I don't want to talk about work. I love talking about my, <laughs> and actually a lot of my friends love talking about their work. They love it. They love it. Right. And I think that, you know, your, how much time do we spend on our jobs? Yeah. How much time? 
if you think about the amount of time that you invest in, in your job, you better make sure that you, you really love what you do because yeah. that's a large chunk of your life. And I wouldn't so, say so, yeah. quit your job and follow your passion or something like that, but you've got internet in front of you. Like open it up. And <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of sites that have all these jobs available. Find something that you, that you want to talk yeah. about at parties and you know, apply for a job there. It generally doesn't cost anything to run a search online and apply for a job. Exactly. It's pretty easy to reach out to people and yeah. say, hey, I think I'd like to work with you. And guess what? Businesses want to hire people who say, I like what you do. I want to work there. Um, not, 100%. you know, exactly. not people who are going to be online searching for other jobs, uh, down work hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's, anyway, yes, that's we got sidetracked a little bit before we finish here. I want to see if I can get a story from you, either a story sure. of a, something that was very successful or a story of something that was a, you know, a great failure, but maybe a good learning opportunity. This is normally where we go to a break and then come back and you'd have something in mind, but I'm just going to put you on the spot. <laughs> we'll edit it out later. Take all the time you need. Okay, because I was about to say, my God, I, you know, um, I, I think that the people that are most judgmental about their work are the people that, you know, like I'm, I, I criticize my work all the time. So, so it's hard for me to talk about successes. Although uh, my mentors have, have said, you better get used to talking about your successes, right? I mean, um, you should be proud of them. Oh, man. I'd say ask Gary Vee not to talk about his successes. You yeah. <laughs> Once <laughs> like, you're successful, like, that's all can, people want to hear I about. <laughs> It's so much easier to talk, for me to talk about my failure. So, okay, so let's start Go with, with that. that. Either one. Yeah, yeah. Give, give me a failure. People love failures yeah. more than successes. Um, I hate to yeah, tell you about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, You know, I'll go through my failure. Yeah, because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know. Okay, so let's start with, our, with my failure. So, um, not being ready for a marketing automation tool, right? So, so um, I worked for a smaller company and we got funding. We had plenty of money and I was only one person. And I remember thinking, oh, this marketing automation tool is going to solve all of my problems. Eh, not true. Not true. What the marketing automation tool will do, so if you're using HubSpot or Marketo or whatever, is it will give you a platform whereby you have to have a strategy and sets of data to implement on the platform. It needs and a I, name. Uh, automation insinuates. We've got a cartoon for Marketing Marvin on automation, marketing automation as well. Yeah. It, it insinuates yeah. you get to set it up and then you can go on vacation and it generates it. leads and stuff like that. Not, they should call it marketing exactly. automation. They should just, no. there's got to be another name for it. Uh, it's a platform that you automate somehow yourself. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like not. Building yeah. a marketing house of cards or something. It doesn't have the same ring to <laughs> it. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, that, and that's what you're doing. You know, I mean, I didn't have a dedicated uh, writing workflow structure, let alone a team. Um, I really, I mean, in, in marketing divisions, you're going to find one of two kinds of people or both, right? I mean, you're going to find the folks that really love doing creative work and they're always in their Adobe's and, and, or, or in their search, uh, keyword search tools, trying to dig up content, um, or their buzz sumos, right? They're trying to figure out what folks are writing about, uh, or you, you have your analytics people that, you know, I mean, some of them. Uh, understand how to use Python as it relates to their big data sets and, 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 you know, generating the right KPIs. Right. Um, so, so if you usually have, have a couple of those and, and, you know, I was by myself and I remember thinking, wow, why did I try to, it's, it's like I convinced somebody to purchase this, but one right, like our C levels didn't really have an understanding. This is another thing. This is another mistake I, I have made, you know, I made earlier on my career. You gotta make sure that you're you you understand it so much so that you can ad nauseum explain it to your boss or your your C C level stakeholder. 
they have to understand the gravity of how much time these things take. Um, because oftentimes they don't know. And, right. and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not pointing at the boss saying, Oh, you're a bad boss. I'm saying that they don't know. And they may and show up on Monday and say, we need digital marketing. I heard it on a podcast. Yeah, we need that. Go do it. <laughs> you know, but that's, but that's why they hired you. They hired you so that you can tell them, here's a breakdown of the, of the data. Here's, here's what we can realistically do. And here's how much time I need. And here's the resources I need. Here's how much it's going to cost. It's, you can't assume that the person that you're reporting to is doing the same daily activities. No, they're, they're doing something different. That's why they hired you. So, you know, I think that making, not making sure that I was communicating effectively with, you know, my, my then boss about just the, the gravity of, of how much work was going to be involved in this um, was mistake number one. Then mistake number two was, was realizing a marketing automation tool doesn't dismiss the work that takes to build the marketing automation tool. And you really need a team for that, or that's your full-time job and you don't do anything else in marketing, which if you're working for a small company, believe me, you're going to do other things. Okay. There's a deck that needs to be created. There's, oh God, there's like a news. Okay. We have to write up an article now. Right. So, so just make sure that when you're ready to invest in something like that, you have the infrastructure um, built. Right. Cause that whole year was a wash. Right. I was, try, I was trying to tricked do by the name of marketing automation. <laughs> don't get tricked. Don't get tricked. So that's that how it actually works. hundred percent. hundred percent. So, so that, that's, you know, probably right. Like one of my biggest failures. And I remember just leaving defeated that year. Cause you didn't, you couldn't even really implement the campaign cause you didn't have the time or the resources to do so. Um, I've had, you know, a lot of uh, failures with just campaigns that I've run thinking that, I knew what the outcome was of the test, right? Like, oh, this creative is definitely going to work over this creative, no, you know, hands down. And then I find out it's not. Um, one, one of my favorite ones recently, uh, so um, a couple of years ago, I worked for a digital health organization. Um, they were in mobile, but, but they worked with pediatricians and kids. And, and I remember running a creative, uh, creative splits test with two, uh, two creatives. One was a child that was with her mom, a jovial kid, and then another another uh, picture of a doctor looking at a child, and and so we were catering to to doctors at the time, pediatricians. So so it's no you know no brainer. Of course, like the kid that's with the mom, you know, is is going to do well. Um, and it turned out that actually doctors like seeing other doctors, at least in our audience. They, I mean, yes, the kid. It was nice to have a kid, but seeing another doctor treat the child was really, really important, like way right. more so than, than just cute kids that, that seemed healthy and happy. And that's where the A-B testing and whatnot comes in because you may think you know the best way, but 100%. try another one too because what if you're wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like, you know, another thing too is like maybe the, those are just the, the doctors in California and San Francisco. What if we, we A-B test in New York? Totally different outcomes. So, so you can't yeah. assume things about your data because you just – you have no idea until you actually test and iterate. Um, you know, same thing. We've seen like we're positive this is going to be the best messaging. The other message works way better for some reason. You can't figure it out. And sometimes it's some bizarre little aspect of one or the other that causes it to succeed or fail that you weren't even paying attention to. And then maybe 100%. you can make a hybrid of them. But it's amazing what you learn when, you, when you're open to maybe what you think isn't the greatest idea and run it anyway, mm -hmm. see what happens. Exactly. Uh, run it anyway and see what happens. That's hundred percent correct. So, so that's, you know, and, and time and time again, um, failing at executing campaign when something like, you know, some big change happens on an advertising platform I'm using, but 
for example, when right, remember when Facebook announced, oh, you can only really get to 10% of your audience in your fan page, keeping abreast of those things and those changes, GDPR, I mean, I, I should have done that earlier on my career and then I didn't. And then what ends up happening is you have a client that's disgruntled because you spend all this time on setting up a campaign, but you're not actually looking at what's going on in the market. So again, really important, stay abreast of, of what's going on since things are ever changing pretty much all the time. Um, yeah, so those are a bunch of failures <laughs> I mean, that can go on and on. Um, you know, I would say success-wise, oh, running a running a campaign early on in my career um, when we ran that, I would say that. So uh, early on in my career, um, I ran the market research study and I got like, you know, maybe we got thousands stakeholders to fill it out across the country and um, doing that groundwork as hard as it was, but then having the outcome of, well, we doubled revenue size and we actually uh, talked about a problem that nobody has addressed uh, based on our area of expertise. And then kind of convincing our stakeholders who were a little bit, uh, you, can, you can run with this. I don't know if it's going to succeed, right? Just, just advocating for myself. That was probably one of the highlights of my career because it taught me a lot of other things. And then, and then the other campaigns in my career that were successful, I, I was like, okay, well, here's, here's what I have to do. And, and this is uh, how we need to measure it. And also this is something that our audience and our customers would like. That's probably, you know, that was a turning point in my career when I realized, oh, I can do this. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, not, it's, it's crazy. Oh, I can do this. I could just try to do this. Um, but I think that happens in every person's career. I'm sure, you know, you can probably point to the time in your career where you realized, wait a minute, I don't, I think the thing I can do for myself is teach myself, learn as much as possible, get mentored. But really at the end of the day, you're, <clears throat> sorry, I was talking to my boss about this. I mean, your manager is going to try to right, figure out, okay, what are you doing during the week? But you, at the end of the day, they believe in you and they believe in your ability to execute and solve problems on your own and be resourceful. So, so just, you know, I mean, if anything you take out of this conversation of digital marketing, besides all, all of the other small minutia, right, like notes that we will have on the notes of this podcast, know that, um, right, when you, th there's going to be a turning point in your career where you, where you realize, like, I don't need that much handholding there. They, they're investing in me because they believe in me as a professional. And that's kind of like the sky is going to be the limit. All of a sudden, you're just going to be reading nonstop and you're going to be learning things. You're going to be trying new things all the time. And that's the best sign of, of a marketer's your trial and error and your ability to just create, right? I mean, yeah. it's, like a, it's like saying, oh, I want to be a writer and I want to write content, but you never write content. You just, yeah. you have to really, I'm, I'm sorry, you have to suck at it. You have to suck at it for a little while or a while until you you start getting the groove of things you're like okay I, you know what i'm i'm getting better so yep. that's how we started the podcast you keep saying we want to do this we want to do this and then you just go do it one day and oh just do it just do it one of our rules for leadership we have here is don't be a henchman you can be a henchman yeah. just you're not a leader then if you want to be a leader you can't be a henchman you have to realize you know what you were saying owning and knowing the process yourself if your boss tells you to go do something with google adwords or linkedin uh, advertising mm -hmm. and you just go and do it but you don't know what you're doing you're a henchman. You're not in charge of anything. You're just okay. following the instructions. You need to know, you said it earlier, you need to know better than they do what it is they sent you to do. That's why you were hired. Unless you're a henchman and your job is just take out the trash and then, okay, that's your yeah. job. You aspire yeah. to be more. You better learn yeah. it better than the people because they're paying you to know it better than them. They're paying you. Exactly. you know, people who work for me, I don't, 
I don't have them work for me so I can just tell them what to do all the time. I want okay. them to be better at the tasks that are hired for mm-hmm. than I am. Otherwise, I would just sleep less or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to exactly. know it better than they do. Otherwise, what's your value? Your henchmen, 100%. we've all seen what happens with them. They're expendable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so yes. Yeah. So, um, audience members, I hope you, you know, don't take that, don't take that for granted, right? Don't take that for granted and, and make sure, you know, make sure you're, you're this is, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can uh, speak to this really important too, to make sure you have a good line of communication with your manager and, and that your manager is also a leader, right? Like you said, one of the things here is like no hench, but, but that includes the people that are leading the company. I mean, one of the biggest reasons besides the interesting, right, interesting product, interesting problem we're uh, solving here at FeedMob. Uh, one of the big reasons it came in is because our, our culture is very growth oriented and we have really great leadership. You know, we have, um, um, we have a team that invests in each other and it goes both ways. Uh, so, so listen, if you're, if you are, are with a, a manager that is investing in you and taking the time to give you opportunities, then you have to know that, well, they're hiring you so that again, you can know two steps ahead of them and you can really help them do their job really well. So, so, you know, it's, it's that sort of relationship that I think makes companies successful um, everywhere in every department. Yeah. And then aside from the general, we've, we've covered so much just general business stuff, but again, digital marketing, I think we covered a lot of digital marketing in here as well. Um, It's been a great episode. I want to get through a couple things here at the end. Um, Anybody who wants to find Vicky, it's uh, vickysarmiento.com. We'll put that in the show Mm -hmm. notes. Also, you can find her on LinkedIn, just put in the name and and you'll find it. Her company is uh, feedmob.com. This will all be in the show notes. We want to uh, thank uh, Vicky Sarmiento and thank all the listeners. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team, thanks for listening. And remember, if you market the shit out of it with digital marketing, mm-hmm. they will come. Yes, they will come. Carla, do feel better. Hope you feel better. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.